Hello everyone and welcome to One on One. Today I'm with artist Anne DeBoer in Deptford. Anne's work can be found largely online rather than in galleries and mixes scripts, text, and images toward amalgamative works. How are you today? I'm fine, thanks. Um, you've recently had a new work released um, and hosted on xcenis.net. Maybe we can start by hearing a bit about that piece. All right. Um, yeah, so you're talking about um, the piece that's titled uh, Far Now New Date which is the latest version of a work that I did before, which is uh, the Dev Shuffle. In that work, in the Dev Shuffle, there was um, the main part of the, or the main, main ingredient of this was um, a randomized novel called uh, The Fellowship of the Thing, which was constructed through a sort of like <coughs> um, text generator randomizer that uh, usually is be used in, or is usually used for um, these kind of like design examples that you make. So you have like a, a sketch for a newspaper or a magazine or something like that and if you need a kind of fake text then usually we, you would have the, the kind of lorem ipsum uh, fake Latin text that you could place place in there. And then there is uh, yeah, this website online where you can just kind of press a button, specify what language you want to have and it kind of just generates a piece of text that you then can copy paste in your sketch. And I quite like this uh, this idea of the of just this random piece of text that had quite a nice uh, character as uh, yeah almost as kind of a classic story or or um, yeah novel to read. So then I thought it would be a good idea to have a kind of a novel written just by random text, and then I kind of needed to know how long a novel needed to be, which I didn't really know. So I googled that, and then I came to Wikipedia, which said you need forty thousand words. So then I just mm. randomized. Um, yeah, enough times until I had 40,000 words. Do you know where that number came from, or is that just maybe an average? Yeah, it's an average of, of like, because um, then I think there's some sort of, like, uh, uh, limits that they give, or, like, some sort of frame a little bit below. It would be a short story, uh, when it goes later, it's like, yeah, what would come after, a roman, or is that the same as a novel? I don't know, but, yeah, so I guess, like, it's a kind of average uh, average number. Got it. Yeah. Yeah, so I took I took this this text and um, needed a title for that, so I went to a title randomizer, which also has been kind of used to like if you don't have an inspiration to write, and it's always kind of on this hobby level, you know. I mean, it's right. nothing really serious, but uh, so you have this all these title randomizers that are really great, where people just create large databases of words. Yeah, you just press a button and a, and a title comes up, and mine was uh, the Fellowship of the Thing, which I thought was pretty good. Um, I mean, which is of course the Fellowship of the Ring, but then right, just, uh, right. uh, mixed up with something else. And um, yeah, <laughs> putting some like continental <laughs> philosophy yeah. into the <laughs> Fellowship of the Ring. <laughs> so um, I kind of that that became basically the novel, and uh, um, I really enjoyed this piece of text, how it was, and um, I thought it would make sort of sense to have this read like read out by uh, by a computer voice. Um, so yeah, I had this uh, yeah Ifona text reader that would then read it out, and it just sounded really great. It's like it has this really nice pace. Uh, it's quite slow and becomes very poetic, and mm -hmm. you, you almost get into the story without understanding a thing that's going yeah. on. There's a rhythm I'm sure, that comes out yeah. in a sort of flow. Yeah. And I think it's maybe it has something to do with that I'm not an, in a native English uh, speaker, so quite often you have this this um, yeah these these narrated videos with a perfect English accent voice underneath, 
which for me the kind of the message doesn't start to make sense anymore because it's just so nice to listen to the voice and going like uh, uh, yeah in this kind of dream <laughs> state and then it <laughs> you kind of lose the, the the meaning of the whole thing just because this this accent is so so perfect right right sort of are you into asthma videos at all the ASMR yeah yeah yeah, yeah I've, I've been listening quite a bit to those I yeah. find that a lot of people are kind of I'm seeing this a lot in people's work right now yeah 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 um as part of, you know, pulling a source of data. Yeah, yeah. From YouTube that yeah. people are pulling. But Yeah. But that one I think the weird thing with this is that it it's kinda like it freaks me out also a bit because I have this like I get quite itchy when things are getting too close, you know? Like, mm. and it's like, oh, what's going on there? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like, know what you mean. <laughs> but there is that kind of soothing repetitiveness. I mean there's like uh, whole industries maybe not whole industries but you know companies a lot of focus is placed on making sure that voices and computerized voices like Siri and Microsoft's Cortana making sure that those are like pleasurable to listen to yeah, yeah, I mean yeah. it's always like female but maybe going back to the work itself I'm wondering maybe if you could talk about the languages that you use to construct the scripts yeah. um, and what you work in and maybe if you see a connection between that coded language and something like the novel format mm -hmm. um, yeah, yeah well this again it started kind of like in the base on this novel format because I had um, yeah instead of kind of working with with pages of a book I, I separated the whole uh, novel on individual HTML pages so it kind of like directly generates this database of a book sort of it's just mm -hmm. a whole bunch of HTML individual HTML pages okay. so it's still following like the form of the codex yeah perhaps. yeah yeah, exactly. There's like a one, two, three, four, or right. and, uh, um, um, it can kind of navigate through. But yeah, and then I think w what I find interesting within working on on uh, on web pages and, and online formats is that you can directly place a code underneath that would totally shuffle up again what your what the initial sequence or the initial right. uh, uh, um, logic behind it is, sort of. So I took all these uh, different pages of the novel and then have that collected in a one iframe that then just randomly picks one page. So the book gets directly shuffled um, in the way it's being displayed or being read out by this uh, computer voice. Yeah. Which, I mean, might be a bit too much on top of each other. It's already a kind yeah. of a randomized text. And <laughs> right. But I think it's a good way of layering, you know, or a good way to depict layering in a format that, you know, is still actually, when it comes down to it, quite readable. I mean, you could sit there and read this thing, but it's been created by a collection of scripts that's being controlled by another yeah. script, yeah. or maybe even more another collection of scripts itself. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I think it's important that this layering is being used in works like this. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of like in that way, sort of continuation how how it has been constructed before and how it sort of um, continues to, to exist afterwards because I think it would be weird for me to to step into that moment and claim this little island in the sequence and then say, okay, this one will be just entirely different and then I'm going to claim sort of like the authorship on this randomized novel right. in a certain way. I would find that weird. So then I think it's very important for me to, in, to give back this ingredient that kind of breaks my own logic again as well or at least gives gives new ways or a new potential or new and uh, yeah kind of new sequence out of, yeah. this, out of these pages and i'm just thinking there's a, a point at which um you would lose control you know of your of the program itself you know 
adding additional layers. I mean, it's obviously mm-hmm. not there yet, and I don't think that maybe the technology itself isn't quite there. Mm-hmm. But now that I think about it, it might be. But I wonder if there's a point at which you know the machine would take over. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the lag has to do with like how much do you allow the machine to take over? As in, it's I think it's quite easy for the machine to take over. The only thing is kind of like you need to. Yeah, allow it and credit the machine for taking over right. in, in a certain way. And I think that's quite an interesting, for me, an inter- interesting step to make to see how much can you open up your work all the time to give sort of like an, an entry point for the machine to take to take that part and does its own thing uh, with it. Right. Um, that you don't fully understand what's going on anymore. Right. Yeah, and it's something that I always try to communicate to people that maybe don't know so much about programming, which mm-hmm. is that, you know, pro- like when you program, you're just giving the computer a description, mm-hmm. maybe of something to do or a task. It's never really doing something that's like outside of what you're telling it to do. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so just to say, I think that this point of losing control is farther away than I think a lot of people think it is. Yeah. But it would be really interesting to see what would happen if, yeah, yeah. In, in a literary context, mm-hmm. what would happen, let alone, you know, a military-industrial one. Yeah, 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 <laughs> totally. I say all this because there's this um, sort of uh, context or discussion going on in poetics right now of what happens when machines write better poems mm-hmm. than people. Yeah, um, yeah. Or in this case, like, what if machines write better novel- novels yeah, than yeah. authors do? Yeah. Yeah, I think what's kind of interesting about this sort of like thinking about better or more efficient yeah. is from a very particular perspective. Right. Like what are the criteria for it yeah. being better? Exactly. How Who's going to judge that? Because mm-hmm. if there will be a judge sort of like having to judge if the robotic novel or like the yeah automated novel is better than the, than the human one, you almost also need like a robot within the jury in order to kind of get a neutral opinion about that as well. So you can't probably like the the machinery can never fully take over when the the um, yeah the standard of this 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 uh, kind of like the decision making on how we look at it or if it's better or worse or whatever if that's also not being taken by by these external uh, factors so. right right so um maybe to get a bit into the nitty gritty of your process mm-hmm. um in this work do you do you start with an idea and start um programming yourself do you write code from scratch um, or do you, you know, jump around and do a copy-paste kind of method? Um, yeah, it's it's largely copy-paste um, mm-hmm. uh, kind of methods. And slowly through copy-pasting, you start to understand much more the logic. So you can, well, it starts basically, yeah, copy-pasting, tweaking around a bit, and you see what kind of changes. Right. Uh, and from that moment, I kind of started uh, writing small parts of code myself. For example, at the moment, they kind of only turn out in small uh, scribbled drawings and... Um, it's really tiny pieces of code uh, that's done through the through processing basically. Mm-hmm. So yeah, just really, really, it's maybe ten lines uh, of code, which I, uh, which then when you when you kind of start the program would generate a small image, shuts itself off, and that's kind of the only product you're left with afterwards. And I find that really appealing because it kind of works in this in this almost fu- uh, way as a poem could 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 function. It's kind of like this this weird coded poem just of right. coded language and um that you're placing constraints on yeah and but allowing it to find playfulness within yeah. those constraints yeah 
and then this this little piece of text is kind of it is in itself a sort of a translation from a binary language and then translates itself forwards into an image so it's like this these different ways also how that piece of code then can exist in different platforms or in different languages and in its aesthetics or way of understanding totally change and uh, uh, yeah which is for me is a big interest in, 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 in the way I work is like um, this multiple outcomes of kind of the same thing uh, through different languages and um, um, but going back into that sequence and looking back at where this language comes from it becomes again very ununderstandable so that it kind of links back maybe again to this novel that is then written in our own language totally un yeah, not understandable but maybe if you would like in the future convert it back again to something else it might somebody somehow somewhere might understand parts of this text right. you, you never know you know right like, and might you know glean meaning from this text that might not make sense but might have some sort of just as I was saying poetic beauty and I'm interested in how releasing your work online do you get a different response than you do with work in galleries um, a different kind of response yeah I mean definitely yeah. the way the way it's being sort of like spread around is, is entirely different and also I think like the way yeah the response you know it's like it's 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 uh, it's totally less than than when you would have a work in a gallery um, I think uh, or in a, in, a, in an exhibition space where you kind of just the first uh, yeah the, the, the moment you're there next to the work you always have contact with people looking at it and or you see faces looking at it so you directly kind of can understand how how things are how things are registering yeah. and what people are picking up yeah. on and i always think that i've always find that so surprising i mean it's something that i've thought about for a while which is that i mean these things these images text whatever are you know instantly you know wherever the internet is mm -hmm. and wherever people can access it yeah. which is usually so much more than uh gallery space mm -hmm. um or a site specific physical site and yet the responses are always so much harder to get yeah even though maybe there are so many more eyes on it or and, and even the potential the, for it. yeah even even distributing it is very difficult because it is i mean that's the thing i've never looked at internet as this very kind of public space because it's always in the small niches and you need to kind of have a way to get there and totally. even if you especially now where the traffic of the internet is so is only condoned through like Facebook and yeah. Google and you know these yeah. things where no one's going to stumble upon a, a site no, yeah, anymore. No. That's that's yeah. You need to have the link to this place in order to get there. Otherwise, uh, yeah, you will never end up on this on this on this place. And even then, if once you post the link somewhere, it's still like functioning in these small circles of friends of friends of friends, and that's probably like the maximum you can get. Or like posting it on Twitter, where like accidentally maybe. You get a retweet from a someone yeah, who has yeah. so many followers or whatever. Exactly, and that may, might generate five more views. I think an understanding of the scale of the internet is really uh, misleading yeah. for a lot of people definitely. who aren't working within it. Yeah, definitely. I think the only the only kind of positive thing still of of exhibiting online is that kind of once it's being the audience, kind of the flow is different. You know. Uh, you might like the first time it's online you get like kind of quite a bit of visitors so maybe comparing co comparable to just the opening or like a private view um but then because the the piece is uh, sort of existing in a much longer time frame on the same position over a longer period i think the amount of visitors gets much bigger which i think is quite interesting because 
uh, in that sense, I think they function a little bit different. You know, they they are not made for like maximum a month or something. They are like, yeah. I mean, you always forget. Sometimes, about, yeah. Or, you know, not forever, obviously, but yeah, no, but years in, in some cases. Yeah, yeah, and 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 I think that's so it can function in this way that it, that it still like it's been looked at after a year and it can can generate these kind of surprises as well, like. Uh, um, which I think is quite nice of, of, of having something online, but I think I mean, like I don't, yeah, I don't see like a, my work only functioning as a, as an online online. Right, and maybe work. we can talk about um, your work that's offline yeah. um, and where you draw connections and where you don't draw connections. Yeah, yeah. If you wanna. Yeah, because. Well, anyway, like having these uh, these online works, I kind of make them with the idea that they are, they are somehow made for like a particular device. You know, I, I work from home, I have, I have a screen here that has a resolution of 1920 times 1080. I try to work within that, within that frame, sort of. That is kind of the optimal way to look at it, is in my own living room at the moment. Right. Uh, so if you would look at it from a smaller screen, kind of you get the point, but it's not necessarily optim uh, the optimal way of looking at it. And I think it's... I kind of try to play a bit with this idea that still there is a moment of sort of a potential moment of exhibiting that is made for this work sort of and yeah also like working a little bit with like um, accessing it from a different browser things might change here and there a little right. bit so you, you you would need to know kind of like what someone's using an old machine with a terrible processor yeah, and yeah. It's just, <coughs> we'll get the yeah. totally different probably um, um, a way of looking at this work or like a different experience out of it um, which I think yeah that's for me kind of the, the, the interest within like working online but taking in consideration also the offline part that will influence the online work so it's kind of this constant negotiation between these two uh, between these two factors and then um, yeah trying to take ingredients such as like the local time so if you would visit it during that millisecond the composition is kind of in this way and if you refresh again, it's totally different because certain ingredients are linked to the milliseconds, seconds, minutes, hours, date, whatever. Uh, um, so there's still like that moment of accessing is kind of like the moment of exhibiting in the same time as well. And um, so that that's kind of also where the work becomes in a certain way very physical at that point. And then on the other hand, trying to kind of always work with the part of, of the server um, um, yeah, the place where the work might be hosted, and, and and getting into this idea, like how to consider that counterpart of an online work as well. So, not not kind of working with this utopian idea of it's all online, everywhere accessible, and um, right, and to, and thinking that it doesn't exist in space somewhere yeah, actually, yeah. because these things actually do. Yeah, and you know, sometimes servers go down, and work the thus the work comes down. Yeah, and for me, this becomes kind of a bit like an ingredient to play with and, and, and enlarge it a bit, sort of like may, kind of create a little bit of uh, a sort of server that, that that has, that's partly impossible. So I'm like working now with, uh, um, for a project um, called Lacuna Sovereignty that is curated by Cory Scotsari. Um, so in September we're going to launch um, uh, kind of a custom-made web server for, um, for this project that he's uh, curating. That will be a server on on the 4G <coughs> network um, powered by solar energy. So it is kind of 
you know, when, when the battery is, is out of, of electricity or when there's not enough sunlight, the, the server wouldn't work. So it kind of has like opening and closing hours according to how much energy you generated during the day. Um, uh, the speed of the of the website will, will, will change a little bit according to the 4G network that is around. Um, um, and yeah, so there's that kind of this, this, this very local part that become that takes over more um, of the functionality of the website than it actually should should have basically right. and have a little bit of this this default in there just in order to to enlarge this uh, this this kind of local uh, um, the, 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 the very direct environment basically of a web server to make it very present in the online work as well that's a, that's great I'm really excited to see that and uh, hear more about it in the upcoming months you said it was coming out in September mm -hmm. cool yeah. <coughs> It's called Lacuna. Lacuna Sovereignty. Sovereignty. Maybe we can end with what you have coming up, things that are exciting you right now. Things I'm working on at the moment is um, with an um, artist collective called Hardcore. Um, we're working on a, well, we have been working in the past on sort of different curatorial methods, and one of that is a, is a curatorial robot. Um, where, you, where you magnet artists, right? Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the artist magnet. Yeah, this robot kind of cut into its fourth uh, edition, so this will be Asahi 4.0, which will be also launched in September, so mm. a busy month. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're working towards this big launch, and this robot uh, is getting sort of finalized where uh, you have a database where, yes, an artist can uh, submit your work or make a, pro a profile, uh, and then the robot will go into a space and again according to this sort of local environment makes a decision what work should be positioned where. I don't know of any other curatorial projects that are attempting to automize mm -mm. really. Yeah. I mean I'm sure there are precedents for that and maybe you can talk about where you see precedents um, if you see any. Like if they, if do you know if there's a history of this kind of autom automization of, I mean there's obviously con um, people putting constraints on their curatorial projects. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, I'm just struck by that I've never, I have, this is the first time I'm hearing of like a robot yeah, curating yeah. a show. Yeah, I've also never really encountered any, any anything like this, maybe more in the practice that you would have, but then again it goes more into this like working with a code or like an algorithm that sort of decides uh, positioning within a work or within a space or but not necessarily having this like robot really taking sort of curatorial decisions. I, uh, and, and then again also selecting artists. Maybe there is, uh, I don't know, I never... We had this kind of Cura robot, but that was more like going on social connections that were right. made between people. Um, so in that sense it was not entirely random because it kind of was based on a preference in that sense, I think. Um, and this one really kind of ignores every preference that you could logically have as a as a human, mm. um, and kind of go, tries to go against it as well. And, and so, what would this in September? Uh, what would the launch of this look like? Mm. It would be. A it's going to be. Um, it's going to be a sort of keynote speech, sort of a keynote launch presented by uh, by the CEO of Hardcore. So there will be. A yeah, kind of like how Mac and, and Windows present a new product, um, similar way Asahi 4.0 will uh, get presented to the audience. Mm -hmm. um, and from that moment on also, it's kind of like open to use and uh, yeah, to submit and to 
be sent around basically. And kind of like really curious what this will bring and uh, it's going to be a very interesting experiment I think in like how this will be used within an exhibition structure sort of and totally and if it will change anything or which I think it will as in it will create gen it will generate definitely kind of like weird exhibitions that are not necessarily like functioning probably right and I mean just the idea itself is like so I mean punchy mm. um, which in a good way I think I think it's really easy to you know explain to someone this is a robot curated show um, and people I think that you know pick up seam and other people will I mean I imagine the derivatives of a project like this would be really you know interesting to see too mm -hmm. and I think what's really interesting because we did like a couple of, 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 of um, yeah so in the previous versions of this robot we made a couple of exhibitions where we tried ourselves with our own work how this would work kind of as like uh, genie pigs guinea pigs how do you say yeah guinea pigs guinea yeah. pigs yeah yeah, kind of what was I think what was really interesting in these kind of exhibitions is that the the kind of borders between each other's works kind of disappear. So you um, this this idea of often often yeah this very framed author within the exhibition kind of managed to melt. Yeah, works could be from other persons or could be uh, could be one person and make the whole exhibition, which I think is quite it's getting quite interesting in that sense that it's not anymore really about this individual artist in the space having their own very particular work um, right. that then um, is also very characteristic um, and um, have maybe two works that are very, very similar next to each other yeah. which is not optimal right. for the individual artist but, but for maybe the show in the total it's uh, it's very good right it's that sort of additional layer onto onto an existing practice which i think is like largely in my work also what what happens is that it's always like kind of the work that I make always has so many other authors inside of the copy-paste code that I use. Totally, and, and that's... Yeah. yeah, so it's like, and I think in writing, I think it has been like, um, it's a little bit more accepted, I think, is like you always have to quote whatever that, that that is part of it, but especially in scientific writing, I think it's quite interesting that it is based on the fact that there are other writers before you that you can take um, these sources from in order to make yourself believable somehow. So I think it's... It's quite interesting to, to see how far you can apply that system as well within making a, a work. Um, totally. I think there's a really interesting movement that emerges out of that. Mm -hmm. Not not movement in the sense of like a movement in the sense of like literally like moving something one place to another, not like a revolution kind yeah, of movement. Yeah, yeah. But an interesting, you know, there's like a dance and emergence that comes out of like moving these things yeah, yeah. a bit. It's something exciting about working within this field. Yeah, definitely.